0: hello 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 and welcome to Newsy's Nook a podcast where you can sit and relax while I try not to wet my pants. I am your host Newsy baby. This week in Newsy's nook changes coming to ABU's shipping prices, what it means for your padded wallets plus Vice news features the ABDL fetish, how the community is reacting and I sit down with a sex educator to get the guide on getting out of your comfort zone. This week in Newsies News, ABU has announced changes to their shipping prices. Due to carrier rates increasing, ABU has also had to increase their shipping rates. But there is a bright side. ABU has announced their cases of 80 are now available. ABU says they have also had to adjust their bulk discounts. I will have a link to their announcement which has a full list of shipping costs in the show notes. Also in Newsies News, Vice News featured the ABDL fitish in a recent episode. The episode featured ABDL community members like ABU's Casey Strom and Mommy Cat Marie. People I spoke with say overall it is one of the better mainstream media documentaries on the ABDL fetish. The episode began with a shot of Mommy Cat changing a diaper. While many enjoyed the episode, Max Toddler Life offered up this suggestion that could yield a better reaction from people not into this kink or not aware of this kink. <laughs> What you have to do is sit with the person, who, who is it about, like the AVDL, sit with that person, talk about it first as a regular adult, you talk about it as a regular adult, who you are, what you do, what it meant, um, what it is about, and then later on in the documentary or the interview, you show them it, because then they already have the feeling like, okay, I, I just watched a regular adult, and now they have this other picture. I think that's way better than throwing them
1: into the deep and immediately showing them what it is about.
0: Do you agree with Max? Is there anything you would change about the episode? Is there anything you would do differently? I personally thought the episode was well done. My favorite part so far is the meme Marcus made on Twitter of Casey on the couch in the interviewer asking, what do you do in diapers? And it shows thought lines from Casey thinking, Don't say make big cummies. I will have a link to the episode in the show notes.
1: Hey, it's me, Barney. Remember from that one time? I'm starting a podcast and I'd love for you to listen. It is the least you could do. Especially if you're like me and being kinky made you feel like the weirdest, strangest, loneliest person in the world. It's called The Big Top, and each week I'm going to be discussing a particular topic to do with fetish and kink. I'm going to be discussing my own bizarre kinks and journey of self-discovery, as well as talking with guests about theirs and covering issues within the kink community. Oh yes, there will be guests. Wonderful, beautiful, charming, horny guests furiously trying to upstage me on my own podcast with... Mild to moderate success. When I'm not busy rudely interrupting my guests, we'll take the time to cover some heavy material and share our experiences. So, catch The Big Top on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. In fact, it would be pretty rude of you not to, and I will take it personally. The Big Top is produced by Playtime Studios with new episodes every Tuesday. Catch the first two episodes on Tuesday, the 16th of August.
0: Do ever get nervous going out to events? I feel like I have gotten better, but it has taken years for me to get out of my comfort zone. This week, I sat down with the sex educator and kink specialist Sophia Darling to get some tips and tricks to get out of your comfort zone and into some kinky fun. Well thank you Sophia, for coming to Newsy's Nook.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Of course, I'm excited too. So the topic today is getting out of your comfort zone, mm. right? right uh going to either a bar alone or going to a kink event uh what do you have any advice on how to shake off the shyness and get out of your comfort zone and go to events
2: oh i've got a couple of great advice um i guess to start i would say don't go alone yet i think people often enter the kink bdsm world and they get very excited we call it frenzy where you come in and you want to do everything at once you want to go to all the events you want to buy all the gear and they forget that there's like little fundamentals that come before all of that um people the the most common question i have in my dms is how do I get a top? How do I get a dom? How do I get a sub? How do I get a bottom? How do I get a mommy? How do I get a little? How do I get a caregiver? My number one, first advice I give anyone is get yourself a kinky friend before you jump into getting someone to do play with. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, a kinky friend, So they can be just as new as you, and then you'll just be going on the journey together. If you could be lucky enough to find someone who's a little bit more flavored into the community, that's always nice. They can help navigate you and be your uh, plus one at events. So then you aren't there alone. And then they also are going to be there to help you process, because there's situations that are going to occur, there's conversations you're going to need to have, there's things you're going to need to process that you just can't do with your vanilla friends, they won't understand it, where you're like, oh, I was out and about and someone came over and they touched my collar and i was very upset about it your vanilla friends might be like oh well they touched your necklace it's no big deal but they don't understand the significance of what that collar is and that it's a part of your dynamic that either you have with yourself or with another person and the intimacy that belongs there so the first thing would be get yourself a kinky friend and in these times days are kind of scary Going as a as a duo is a lot safer than going solo. Does that make mm-hmm.
0: sense? Yeah. Well, yeah, because you know you don't know what what you're gonna walk into. You don't know what kind of environment you're walking into, and it's just right safer in numbers.
2: Mm-hmm. Always. Now, mind you, not everybody has the luxury of having someone else in their neighborhood and their town, their city, Los Angeles is very very generous in terms of how many people we have that we can, any day of the week, we can scroll through some sort of event page, find something to attend and hopefully run into a buddy to go with. But let's say you're living in small town, middle of nowhere. You don't have the ability to go with a friend. You first go prepared. You take the time, you kind of center yourself before you go. Don't go with the intention of wanting to do any play or anything else. Just go to be a voyeur, go to observe, check the vibe, see if it's something you want to be, if you see if it's a space you want to even be a part of, and that'll kind of help take some of the pressure off. And then while you're there, try to make a friend. Something as simple as easy as I'm going to go to this event especially if you have anxiety, I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to go for an hour and i just want to leave with one new contact an Instagram friend, a fet life friend, someone who I can maybe chit chat later and be like, Oh, it was so nice to see you there. It's a lot less high stakes than going and being like, we're going to play and do all this stuff when we get there.
0: I like that piece of advice. Cause I've had a lot of conversations about people and like their advice on going to new events and I love that piece of advice. Just go for an hour and have one goal in mind, right? Because that's, mm-hmm. that's usually half the battle in your head or half the battle mm-hmm. in my head is going to an event and being like, oh, I have to do all these things. Or like, oh, I hope I make a friend or, oh, this or that. But in reality, the goal is just to go.
2: The goal is just to get there. Right. To get Once there, to see to observe, there's so much more, what is it they say that like 90% of communication isn't even the words, it's the body language, it's the atmosphere. So you go, you observe, you give yourself a little hour timer. You say, I'm gonna go for an hour. And let's say that hour comes and goes. You set yourself a new small goal, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Maybe you have ended up staying the entire event. Maybe you enjoyed yourself just that much, but then at least you stepped out You got to see community because you won't meet people sitting at home. Mind you, you will certainly meet them via the internet. But Mm -hmm. I think with a lot of people coming up through the pandemic, just discovering kink, BDSM and all the fun things it has to offer, it's black and white in terms of the online experience you have versus the in-person experience.
0: So this brings up an interesting point that I always battle in my mind is right it used to be you know for gay bars at least right it was a safe space to go because it was an even playing field gay people could find other equal gay people and you know you could talk there it was like an open invitation to be yourself in a space and so you could talk and stuff but now with the dawn of social media grinder tinder you name it they got it on the iphone they got it on the cell phone they got it on the internet and at least to me, it feels like it's getting harder to talk to people in real life because we're so used to doing our online personas that would, as soon as you put you know, rubber to the road and you go to the bar, it's like, oh, no, I, don't ha- I can't type to you. I need to speak to you in person. So what happens if you have this anxiety, right? Let's say I went to an event. I brought a kinky friend. Uh, I'm checking out the vibe. I've done my goal of an hour. I still haven't talked to anyone. Is there any tips or tricks on talking?
2: Yeah. So when it comes to talking to people, there's nothing wrong with going to an event with like a little cliff notes of a script there's nothing wrong with showing up with like five basic get to know you questions um and also for the people who are more introverted than extroverted feel free to let the other people lead the conversation people love talking about themselves (laughs) there's never a shortage of them talking about themselves so i usually say start with number one introduce yourself and your pronouns and wait to hear theirs in kind, Um, feel free to say, how did you find out about this event? And then if they'll they'll, they'll give you, people will give you little subtle cues that you'll be able to roll with. So I saw this on FetLife. I saw this on Instagram. My friend so-and-so recommended it to me. Feel free to inquire about Maybe exchanging FetLife handles, maybe not in the first two, two sentences, vibe it out maybe towards the conversation because they might not be somebody you want to be friends with. Um, and then follow whatever cues they say. People do a very good job when you're quiet to fill in the blanks because as human beings, we don't like awkward silences. So some, you can use a little bit of psychology on them as well. Feel free to go ahead if the event is for people who love to wear diapers, or if the event is for people who are into puppy play, feel free to compliment something they're wearing and then maybe asking or inquiring where they got it from, even asking how they heard about the event and what drew them to come attend it. And again, they'll start to kind of fill in the info and then that little like tennis back and forth before you're in a conversation. It happened right in front of you, and you didn't even know what was happening. So introduction, how did you find out about this event? Maybe lead with a compliment, and what drew you to this event? Four questions that are will at least lead to a quickie conversation, maybe five minutes or less, but it allowed you to accomplish your goal of going and socializing while you were there at the event.
0: So I think it's a little easier for us, right? We're a little more extroverted, but let's say I'm someone who's like, well, this is also me, who overthinks every conversation that I'm I'm in. And recently I went to a straight mosh Mm -hmm. here in Santa Barbara. I think I was the only gay person there. So every conversation I had, I felt like I was boring them Mm. because I was like, I'm gay and they're straight. And so in my head, I'm like. They're not going to get anything out of this. So I feel like I'm kind of boring them. Do you have any tips if you're in your head and you're having this conversation and you're like, oh, I don't feel a spark or oh, I feel like I'm boring them?
2: <laughs> I would definitely. So I, I definitely can resonate with that as being a black queer person who's a kinkster. Um, I grew up in the Midwest and one of the main reasons why I moved to Los Angeles was there was no one like me there. And the people who were there that were like me, they were either well below my age demographic or well above my age demographic. So we didn't have the same. So they're talking about, you know, you know, Woodstock and, you know, what they did in the height of the seventies versus the other ones are talking to me about some 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 trend that I've never heard of, and they've got this fun lingo that I'm not privy to to being in my 30s. Like it's mm-hmm. all fun, but it's almost like we're all speaking like in a, like, a different language, like like peanuts, womp, womp, womps to each other. So right. I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Um, but you are, but do keep in mind you are all at a mosh. So you're at a specific space that is designed for specific activity. So Don't necessarily feel like you need to dull your shine or retreat into yourself. Feel free to keep the conversation just about the event space that you're in. Also, be okay with the idea that you won't leave every event with a new buddy. All that is asked is that you make an attempt to do so. And the attempt is perfectly good enough. You will get a gold star on your forehead for just trying. And not everybody is going to not every event's going to be a hit or miss. Also, keep in mind if you're at a space together for the overthinkers, you're all there because you're a little bit kinky. So you have that in, in mind. You have that in common as well.
0: All right. So doubling on this kink of this kink event, I went in Santa Barbara. So I love to talk about kink. I have a whole podcast on it. So, <laughs> so I love talking about it. And what I noticed. At this mosh is any time I ask the question of, you know, what is your kink? What do you love to do? What what uh, what not turns you on? I was I had a phrase that I said that night that I thought was kind of witty. Now I can't remember it. But like, you know, just asking what gets your marbles off, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and I noticed that they kind of retreated. So then I was like, oh, no, I think I may have overstepped my bound by like Mm -hmm. asking too brunt of a question. Mm hmm. Is that something you have to do when you go to events? Are you constantly not censoring yourself, but you're like, if, if you're, I'll call it your level of kinkiness, are you constantly doing this fader of like, all right, I'm at a hundred, I'm talking to you. We're talking about all the fun and details of like impact play and breastfeeding and all this other things. And then other times you're like, I need to turn this down a little bit. And like, there was one time where I was talking to someone and she called her kinks, her little box of wonders. And so we talked in metaphor for like a good 5 minutes of like, yeah, sometimes like I'll show a guy my box of 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 wonders, but sometimes I don't. And I was like, why are we, why are we talking in metaphors?
2: <laughs> I think that you hit on a good point that just a lot of people are used to having to hide and suppress their kinks. And so when they get out even in a kinky space, they're so used to that code switching that they forget, or they have a hard time turning it off. So they end up speaking in metaphors or being very like reserved or scared to share. Um, I often lead with letting people know why I'm inquiring because I'm the same way. I often um, go to events and my friends and family will say, okay, Safia, we can't talk about buttholes. Grandma's going to be here. I'm like, okay, fine. We won't talk about buttholes. And then, as soon as Grandma finds out what I do, that, you know, I'm a sex educator, kink specialist, kinkster. And Somehow grandma has pulled me aside to the kitchen privately. And she's like, so I had an idea about getting a this, getting a that. You know, I used to blah, blah, blah at Studio 54 back in the day. I'm like, grandma, pearl <laughs> clutch, my goodness. Um, so I would say it's, it's the time and the space, maybe asking someone in front of others they might not be so inclined to share. But then also sometimes maybe disclosing, you know, hey, I'm Newsy Baby and I have a podcast and I'm a kinkster I'm very non-judgmental and open-minded and maybe letting them know that it's a safe space to share sometimes they're more inclined to do so but then sometimes they're not and we just have to be accepting to people's ability to be able to share at their own pace but I love that you have the empathy to be like oh my goodness let me dial it back and adjust this conversation and i like that you met this person on their level that if speaking in metaphors is the safe space for them i like that you met them and just said you know what let's just keep going with these metaphors and see how this rolls
0: well i i didn't know anyone there so i was looking for any conversation and so i was like if we're gonna speak in metaphors i'm all for it like i went to catholic (laughs) i went to catholic school all my life i totally understand about whole like you know I have curly hair, so I need to find other curly hair friends and (laughs) I'm not discriminated for being curly hair. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. that whole metaphor thing. Um, But no, you also bring up a very good point of of bringing up intentions when you're talking to people. Right. Like sometimes, sometimes there are people that just go to events and they're looking for a scene partner or they're looking for a romantic partner, right? Like their, like their goal is by the end of the night, we're going to be at the chapel in the morning or Mm -hmm. by the end of the night, my back is going to be broken or Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to break someone
0: else's back, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. their goal. Do you think it's very important when you're having a conversation with someone to kind of like in the introduction say like, Hey, I'm new here. I'm looking for friends or, Hey, I'm new here. Like kind of seeing what like Not being so directive, like I'm looking to break someone's back, but kind of saying, like, oh, I'm looking for like a new scene partner.
2: I do think that that's important. I think transparency is important in the form of introductions because then that way it also kind of lets someone know that you're new to the space. So let's say you did go up and speak to somebody in a way that's outside of the protocol of that particular space. They know to give you a little bit more leniency and they also know to, um, to kind of handle the conversation they have with you a little bit differently. Almost if you were to think if you were at work and someone comes in and they're not doing everything right. And you're like, I've never seen this person before. Who are they? Why don't they know how to restock the napkins? And they're like, oh, I'm new here. This is my second day. We tend to say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I was, I didn't realize you were new. I didn't know that you didn't know how things go. Let me show you how it's done. Or they're like, Somebody come here and show the newbie how it's done. And they kind of usher you in that direction. Not everybody's as soft and sweet as we may be, but they tend to give a little bit more leniency. I think also it's good to express that information to show intention, um, especially with a lot of what's going on in society and the tensions that are going on when you're speaking to, especially when you're femme folk or a woman and you're speaking to someone who's male identified, or you're speaking to someone who's male presenting, You, there's a lot of has to, tension that's going on right now with what's going on in the world. So you also wanna let somebody know that this is a safe person to talk to, this is a safe space so that they know that when they go to disclose something to you, they're not going to be met with judgment on their end. So, I think letting them know you're new, letting them know you're down with whatever, letting them know that you're a non-judgmental person, I think that helps aid the conversation to move forward.
0: Trick question. Let's hear it. And again, I'm going back to this mosh that I went to because it's so fresh in my in my <laughs> head. So, I had the constant struggle in my head of I can't tell if you're straight or gay or queer or anywhere on that spectrum and for some reason my mind was so stuck on that the whole night every time i was talking to another guy i was the whole time i was just like are you gay are you queer are you straight like how do i i don't know what the right way to ask this but like how do i get stuck off that question because it, it's Ooh. not their fault if they're not or or if they are or if they're not but for some reason i was so stuck on that question and it it it, it was so hard to have conversations cause I didn't know how to phrase my questions. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know if I should be super gay. I didn't know if I needed to like straighten it up a bit. Like, I don't know. I was so stuck on that. Have you ever had that situation?
2: I have, I have, I often get told you don't look gay. You don't look <laughs> queer. You don't look like a lesbian. So um, I catch myself having to disclose that if I'm truly interested in the person I'm speaking to, and if, for some reason, the conversation would teeter on whether or not we're both queer or something or other like that. I'm usually very quick to disclose myself and people usually reply in kind. I'm like, oh, well, you know, um, as a lesbian, blah, 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 blah. And then they usually just chime in and they start telling me about whatever is going on. And if they're not gay or queer or something like that, they're usually, they don't say anything. Um, it's also some sometimes, you know, we can kind of clock a queerness in people that they may not have talked to themselves about, that they may not have sat in and figured out who they truly are. So um, I usually just lead with myself and let them reply. Even if I do feel like there's something going on there, they may not be out. It may not be their time to tell you, Um, but also feel free to just ask. I know it seems weird to just ask somebody, you know, are you gay or straight? Like, obviously you don't. We just want to be like, hi, what's going on? I'm Sophia. Um, She/her pronouns. Oh, okay, you're Jacob. He/her. Are you gay, Jacob? Like, no, 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 no. Like, you want to just be like, you know, um, I, I, I'm trying to think of a situation that might have happened recently. Um, Oh, so I was actually chit chatting with someone and I was saying, um, I, I actually thought that they were very cute and I wanted to know whether or not they were into the, the same things that I was into. So I was like, well, you know, as like a, as a lesbian here, you know, navigating Los Angeles, you know, do, do you mind if I ask, are, are you gay or straight? Like how, how has your experience been here in the Los Angeles, like dating pool, and they tend to just kind of open up and say something. Um, they either just say, oh, well, you know, I'm not gay, but as a straight person, this. Or they say, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm uh, I well, you know, as a gay person, it's crazy out here or something like that. <laughs> but just ask, just like just slide it in. I practice it if you want to. Feel free to like practice having some sort of like, you know, um, mundane conversation and just find fun ways to kind of slide You know, are you queer? Are you queer? Into it.
0: (laughs) What, at the event?
2: At at any event. And at any opportunity that you feel feel safe to do it. it, Practicing it in vanilla spaces does make it a lot easier to slide it into conversation in kink spaces.
0: I need to try that here because I don't know. I live in Santa Barbara and I just feel like this giant unicorn of a kink, (laughs) sex positive person. And I don't know, like, uh, I know we're on getting out of your comfort zone and now this is just turning into a therapy session for me. (laughs) But let's say, you know, the reason I love kinky people is we're so sex positive and we're so like find you and how do you and like, how does that reflect in the community around us? Right. Like find your kink, find your community. And how do you fit into all that? That's kind of like why I love kink spaces so much. And here in Santa Barbara, there are moments where I feel like I can't, what happens if you feel too sexual? What happens if you feel too sex positive? And then you kind of like, there's some moments where I'm like, maybe I'm being too sex positive or maybe I'm talking about kinks too much. Do you ever have those feelings?
2: I do have those feelings, and I definitely had to kind of check myself about it a little bit, that I, I had to, I think someone, um, some, one of my friends actually was very sweetly put it that um, when it comes to being a kinkster and the sex positivity that comes along with it, it's acquired. It's learned over time. And it is based off of the environments that we live in. So even being a sex, I have learned more and evolved more as a sex positive, queer, kinky person here in Los Angeles in the last seven years than I did the entire 25 years that I lived in the Midwest. We're talking like quick, you know, crash course, you know. Super Mario jumped onto the star and he moved quick, like Mm -hmm. that sort of a situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is a possibility that you could just be more advanced than some of the people that are in the spaces that you frequent. And unfortunately it does mean you might have to dial it back a little bit until you can find like your designated, you know, kink event buddy who's going to show up to these events and is just going to like, you know, they kink it up with you every time that you're there.
0: I know I need to find a kinky friend in town, or at least a kinky friend like what you said, is on the same level. I think that's such a that's such a key point in socializing that I think a lot of people, or at least sometimes I forget is half the battle is finding someone you vibe with, right? It's one thing to have a conversation with someone, but you know if you're not vibing you're just dragging this conversation out. But when you find someone you vibe with, that's kind of like where like the fun
2: friendships come from. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then even if you could find someone long distance who meets your same vibe, there's still nothing that stops you from being like, okay, bestie, kinky bestie i'm going to this event santa barbara i went to this mosh last time it was a little bit of a shit show um I'm, i'm gonna give you all the rundown when i come back and then you go to the event you spend the time attempting to socialize if not you spend a little bit of time observing and being that voyeur so then when you go back to get on your phone with you know designated kinky queer friend and you're like let me tell you about what went on. They're like, I went to an event last week. Let me tell you about what happened to me too. And then you've got someone to like have that reciprocity with. You have somebody to, to vibe and at least process what you're going through at this event until you can find that sort of like niche uh, sub-community within Santa Barbara, that feels more like home to you, you have somebody to kind of help you process it and figure out what's going on.
0: I think that's so important. You brought up such a good point is like having someone to process something, an event with, right? Like we always think about going to the event is the goal and everything, but like an aftercare of just socializing is also very important. I know for me and just going to therapy lately is like, I need that moment after an event to just be like, I need to talk about what happened. I just mm-hmm. need to get it I just need to get all this like socialness off my chest a little bit. And I notice I can't calm down unless I've like talked about an event. So I
2: think I like I agree. I went to Domcon this past May and I was there all 3 days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and I wanted nothing to do with anyone regarding anything kink related for at least 48 hours. Um, I was actually just recently reminding someone um, at Gay Pride, we all pre-pandemic lived our lives. So for, for those of us who were like the extroverts and stuff like that, we lived our lives so socially. And we went, we spent the whole day or the whole month, you know, going to event after event after event, then we would squeeze in a trip to Disney, we'd squeeze in a trip to Magic Mountain, we'd maybe go do something with the family, we'd go on a work trip or whatever. It's almost as if we've like, um, what do they call it when your muscles, are, like our muscles, are our kinky community muscles have atrophied. And it's almost like we need to take some time to like gently build that muscle back up. So then when we go to these events, we um, don't have to go for the whole eight hours the event was designated, like we used to do pre-pandemic because we're tired and we're out of, uh, and, and and the COVID is still out there and we are out of practice in peopling that much. Um, I'm actually even took a moment when I was having this conversation and I was saying to someone, Why did I do that? Why would I jam pack my entire week with work, with work five days a week and then attempting to hit up three kink events and then still finding time to do something with my family? It's too much. It's way too much. So, my new rule is two kink events a month, if I can squeeze in some sort of like, uh, event to go with with my family, that's fine. If not, I'll settle with a dinner with them, because I was going to eat anyway. And then I try to squeeze in something that's like, queer community. And now I'm even as things are slowing down, I think I might try to throw some volunteer work in there too. But I'm definitely readjusting my pace this go around not just for safety but for my own mental health
0: yeah no i totally agree being being social in itself i've kind of understanding is a muscle in its own right right if if you're very much introverted introverted that muscle works differently than an extroverted person and so i've noticed lately that like yes i can be outgoing but i also have an introverted self like we went to this one gay social in santa barbara My after two hours, my body was like, I'm done. We're good here. I did the social Mm I'm, 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 fine where I feel like before going to therapy or before self analyzing myself, I would have stayed there the whole event because it's like, Oh, this is the one social event I need to stay the whole time. You kind of have to learn that muscle, you have to learn that social muscle, you have to understand like, okay, I did the thing. Mm -hmm. we're good now or or if you're getting angsty like oh I think I need to go to a social event because I have all this energy or like I have this feeling of being social let me go to a social event it's that self-analyzation
2: yeah like even if like like you said before we had this sort of like this FOMO this fear of missing out of if I go to the event and they said it takes place from noon until 8 p.m I got to be there at eleven forty-five and be there until, you know, last call or something. And it just, it's just not necessary any longer. We just, you go, you get, it's almost like overfilling yourself. It's like overfeeding or something like we don't need to be full to the brim where we feel like we're going to bust and then, you know, um, be sick afterwards. We don't need to do that. We just need to go and get a little sample, get a little taste, something to curb our curb our craving, and then keep it going and do whatever else feels good to yourself the rest of that day.
0: All right, before moving on, so we we went over just wrapping up, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, go with a kinky friend. Uh, check out the vibe. Be a voyeur. Five five basic questions. Um, Any other, any last pieces of advice of getting out of your comfort zone and going to a kink event?
2: I think something that's important to remember is um, the other people there are just as nervous as you are. Mm. So when you show up to a space and when you're new, we all were new in a space before. So feel free to also um, be gentler with yourself. Be kinder with yourself if you're having some stress, some anxiety, if you have some nervousness about being there. We all were there at some point in time and we all remember what that was like. So feel free to be a little bit gentler with yourself and say, you know what, self? I'm being a little bit hard on myself right now. I'm going to do my best to try to just go and be me and have a few convos and be here for an hour and take little little baby steps. Um, I guess when it comes to like even events that are maybe more like um, kink specific and stuff like that. to let's so for you as a as an ABDL for the people who want to go and attend the event and they're a little bit nervous to put on the gear to wear the diaper, to wear the costumes, to whatever it is that helps them express themselves, um, feel free to be subtle about it. Feel free to wear it, but wear it subtly under like a dress, skirts, and jeans. Not everyone has to know. Feel free to titillate yourself and to wear something out in public, subtly under your clothes, even in a vanilla setting. Because no one's going to know unless you told them. So feel free to also kind of work your way up and ease into it. You don't have to be. I think we were recently at Off Sunset Festival and it was lovely. People were out there. I saw some lovely human wearing uh, chucks, uh, knee high socks, a diaper and had suspenders attached to the diaper. And it was so precious.
0: Oh, that's so cute.
2: I know, but that's, that's not everyone's ready to be out there and be loud with their kink like that. Feel free to wear the chucks, the socks, the diaper, slide a pair of jeans or some sweats or something over it. Maybe still rock the suspenders, but take it, you know, little baby sets at a time. Um, I guess even in my own journey, um, I remember attending my Second kink event, the first event I went to was a Halloween theme, which was fun. Um, I got to wear a costume. And then the second one I went to, I remember wearing a dress and under the dress, I had on like a fishnet bodysuit. And on top of the dress, I had a corset. And on top of the corsets, I had a jacket. And I had knee-high boots on with it. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of clothes, a lot of clothes. And then I remember going to the event and seeing all these other sort of body positive people. And I see this lovely full-figured woman in her beautiful glory of just wearing her flesh. She's got nothing on but the teeniest of thongs and she's got on a pair of lovely red high heels. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) You know what? I definitely feel like I need to reevaluate what tap, because I especially went to this space wanting to play, but you can't do, you can, but it doesn't have the same intensity for me to have a flogger hitting a corset and a dress and a jacket. And so finally, after seeing and going and observing and absorbing some of their self-confidence and developing my own and acquiring, like I was saying before, the, um, the ease of being able to go to these events, I finally figured it out. I figured out what was my safe what was my comfort zone in terms of how I wanted to conduct myself with what I was wearing and how I was expressing myself in these spaces. So be be gentle with yourself and allow it to evolve naturally over time as well.
0: Right, you bring up such a good point, right? We always see pictures of events and stuff and what everyone else is wearing and usually the most times is when you see those pictures, they're usually the people that want their picture to be taken and so usually they're wearing I'll say the most right the most of the event so if it's a diaper event it's usually the ones that are just in a diaper if it's if it's a pup event it's usually the one decked out in full pup gear but what you don't see in those pictures are the people who are having an equally good time maybe just wearing jeans yeah or people wearing normal clothes or wearing a t-shirt and a diaper right like you can't go off of what you see on the internet. Sometimes or you Correct. can't go off. Sometimes you can't even go off one event. Something like I know for diaper active, which is the event in LA, you can go at different times in one event. Everyone's in a diaper. Another event, everyone's in t-shirts in a diaper. You you just, you just have to find what vibes for you.
2: Mm-hmm. There was a, a lovely human I ran into at off sunset and this was his first time wearing a diaper out in public. And I guess he had like, he was talked to a friend, a friend was like, you got to go, you got to do it. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then he said, he showed up and he said, no one said anything about my diaper. No one said anything about it. And, um, I said to him, I said, well, this is a space where we all practice consent. So no one's going to go up and point or heckle or say something to you. And a way that they might risk being offensive. So if what you want is attention for your diaper, feel free to wear a sign that says, talk to me about my diaper and you'll get everything that you wanted. (laughs) So feel free to also be a little bit bold in it as well. Um, I just thought it was so funny. He's like, no one even brought it up. It's almost like when you get a haircut and like uh, your partner doesn't notice. You would even notice I changed my hair. But <laughs> well, why do they have to notice notice? Like, why not just say, what do you think of my hair? Do you like it? It's, it's a lot better communication. It's a like healthier communication, in my opinion.
0: That's so funny you bring that up because I literally thought the same thing when I went off sunset. I was like in rainbow chucks. I was in my rainbow socks. I was in my rainbow diaper. I was in my, rain- my color block pup hood. Nothing. Not one compliment. (laughs) I was like, what the hell? But you're right. You bring up a good point. People don't want to be offhandedly offensive if they've never interacted with that kink before, right? Like they don't want to say something like, like, oh, a diaper, right? Even though that might be what they're thinking. And they might be like, oh, that's really nice. And or, you know, they don't want to come off offensive. Let's turn to that for really quick, right? Because part of going to kink events, you might interact with getting into play. Mm-hmm. Is there any advice on if you're going to a kink event and you want to play? Mm-hmm. What should that, what should those people know?
2: So if you're going to a kink event and you want to play, uh, the first thing I say is always go prepared, go with your own implement. If you have them, uh, go with your own gear. If you have it, um, bring your own aftercare kit. Uh, because you can't guarantee the other person will be prepared. So that's the that's the, the safety talk. Mm-hmm. Um, when it goes to going to an event, and if you do want to play, um, let's say you're going and you're doing like, like a pickup play. Is that what we're referencing? Like someone you've never met before, someone who you just, you're going to this event and you didn't pre-negotiate to meet someone that were there to play. Is that what we're talking about?
0: Right. So whether it be like, let's say it's a gay bar and- you know, you're kind of feeling yourself, right? You're feeling sexy. You're going to a bar, you're going up and you're like, oh, I'm kind of looking for a play partner or let's take me, for example, if I go to Diaper Active and I'm like, I just really want to find a cute diaper boy to make out with later in the night or mm-hmm. let's say it's even the straight mosh that I went to and I was feeling curious about my straight side and I was like, oh, I wonder if there's any like women that want to make out with me. Like, what should what should I be thinking about? What should those be pe- people be thinking about?
2: Mm-hmm. So I would say for those people who are going to an event and looking to maybe pick up some sort of like sensual interaction or play with someone else, first, you want to do a little bit of your own kind of quick research. You want to watch that person. You want to analyze and decide whether or not they're in alignment with what you want to do and what you don't let's say they check the boxes. Yes, this person is seemingly um, experienced enough to be able to play with me safely. This person is seemingly going to be someone who I would have good energy with. And this person is um, obviously here at this event. Um, I would probably approach them with the same sort of talking points that we discussed before. And then while you're inquiring about what they're doing and how, why they're here, you say, did you come here to play? or did you just come here to observe? And if they say to you, oh, well, I was looking to come here and play. I usually follow up with, um, is there someone who you're already looking to play with or have you played earlier? Because you don't necessarily wanna get somebody and they've already played with three people. They could have a good scene with you, but they're likely going to be tired. Um, I usually say, are you looking to play? or have you already played earlier? Let's say they reply, oh no, I haven't played earlier. I am looking to play with someone. Oh, okay, well, great. Do Do you mind if we step aside and just have a quick conversation in relation to what you're looking for? I'm also here looking to play. And then that's when you step aside and you have like your negotiation conversation. That's when you bring up, what are your kinks? What are you into? Uh, They bring up their kinks, they bring up what they're into, you start talking about your limits, you start talking about the soft ones, the hard ones, and you have that negotiation to see whether or not you're compatible, and you go from there. Either you'll leave the conversation and find out that they were here, and their intention is to, you know, you know, slice off off someone's left nipple, and you know, maybe pierce someone's earlobe with a with a staple gun. And you're like, yeah, that's not quite what I came here for. I was looking for something a little bit more soft and smooth, maybe some more like a make out with a spanking or something. And you just say, you know, shake your hands, thank you so much, and you inquire with the next person, or you just feel satisfied that you at least inquired with one person and just because it was a miss doesn't mean that it wasn't worth the effort that you put in because every time you go and have those interactions you're practicing for that next interaction with the next person practice makes progress not practice makes perfect
0: Ooh, i like that trick question do you find in your own experience that people don't have these consensual conversations right i think a lot of people do it um, via text via messaging right that seems like kind of more coming more into the zeitgeist of hooking up apps like right what are you into what are you not into I get I feel like I get asked that more now than let's say five years ago mm-hmm. but not in person do you in your own experience do you feel like people aren't asking those questions and it kind of becomes a little awkward because it's not yet in in everyone's vocabulary right it's not as easy right like asking people the basic questions we all do that we kind of do that every day it's kind of built into our vocabulary but asking people like what are you into what are you not into
2: Mm -hmm.
0: it's not yet in the vocabulary so some people might feel awkward asking that
2: I say feel find a way to feel comfortable with the awkwardness um because it because it's just you know human nature to be awkward Um, I often say for the people who are new and even the people who are like on the, uh, on the, on the left side of the slash, the people who are the subs, the bottoms, the slaves, and things like that. Um, It's a lot easier to, to guide someone and to spot when someone's not right for you, when you know what's, when you know what's right for you. Does that make sense? Mm. So if you're going to have, um, let's say you wanna do a sort of a spanking scene with someone and you're having a conversation with them and you're having a conversation, they say something like, oh, I don't have any limits. You know that that person's not right for you because there's no such thing as having any, no limits. So you know that that person is either too new or they're too inexperienced to be playing with you. This is when going to classes, um, reading books, online articles, listening to podcasts—where all of that extracurricular education kind of comes into play. Um, I would also say that when it goes, ch- when it comes to going and uh, the people who are having the conversations and it doesn't feel so natural, take a little bit of a moment and offer a teachable moment. So when someone sa- you say to someone, "Oh, so um, are you into insert kink?" Even if it's something like weird, like belly button fetish or something, um, which I think is kind of cool. Um, feel free to take a moment and educate them and express what it is about it. You might have it light bulbed them and inspired them for something they didn't even know they were kind of into, or they might have been too nervous to bring up.
0: I love that. Make it a teachable moment.
2: Yeah. We're all, we're all in this. There's no handbook on how to be kinky. There's no handbook on how to enjoy and indulge in BDSM. So we all are, we all are each other's teachers. We're all each other's um, ways to guide. We're all, we're all offering each other guidance in some way, shape, or form. So feel free to just kind of, you know, take it easy offer someone some info, either they'll chime in and say, oh yeah, I into that. That sounds like fun. Or they'll say, I have no idea what you're talking about, but that, and that's way outside of my scope. Um, I think you and I were even saying before, um, about finding people that are kind of on our level. And I, I tend to run into that. So I tend to have a harder time finding partners because it's hard for me to find someone who is my level of advanced, if not more advanced than me, because I'm not necessarily, I'm, I'm a little more seasoned in the scene and finding someone and um, v- topping from the bottom and raising them to be my level is not something I'm interested in right now.
0: Mm. I love it. in wrapping up, because I feel like this is a good, a good wrapping up question. I feel a lot of getting out of your comfort zone is confidence Mm. and we all I think we can all level on we all have varying degrees of confidence and it all takes practice getting confidence what advice could you give to someone who may feel like they don't have enough confidence or maybe they feel like they're not social enough or they overthink or they're or they feel like they're too shy
2: I think that's where the buddy comes in hand um, I jokingly, I have a friend named baby and she's that one who her food comes wrong and then she's too scared to send it back. And so maybe even aligning yourself with someone who is strong enough to have a voice for you is helpful. But when we're talking about confidence, we're talking about like ourselves. Mm-hmm. we're talking about, so I think something that helps build confidence is a sureness in what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I feel like a lot of that comes from education and comes from knowledge. That there are plenty of people that are confident in the kink BDSM space and they are completely unconfident outside of the kink BDSM space and vice versa. So kind of, but but knowledge is power. The more info you know, and it's not just your going to classes and you're reading books as a way of being able to gather tactile knowledge. You're more gathering little bits and little breadcrumbs along the way to help you kind of piece together who it is you are. So even in the same way, when I said before, people often approach and say, how do I get a scene partner? How do I get a dom, a bottom or whatever the case may be? Um, First, ask yourself, what type of sub do I want to be? Am I even a sub? Am I just a bottom? Um, What type of person am I? Know your worth. And knowing your worth and your value and where you stand firm in your kink BDSM journey will really help aid into building that confidence. So then that way, when you go into a space, you... You know enough about you where someone's not going to devalue you. And if they are, you're quick to clock them and tell you, you know what? No, thank you. This conversation was, this conversation's over. I'm done talking to you. Or you feel confident enough to start those conversations or to approach someone and try to make a friend because you know that you have something to offer this person. And that is yourself. And that's your true version of yourself, and which is always evolving. So feel free to be this one day and be that another day and stuff like that as well.
0: I love that. And it goes back to your whole um, practice makes progress, right? Like the more you try new things, the more you try the same thing, the more you learn about yourself and the more confident you get doing that. Whether it be kink, whether it be kinky play whether it be socializing, right? Maybe it's going to the same bar every Thursday. So you just get used to socializing in a bar setting, right? Yes.
2: And feel free to get familiar with that bar and going on a non-kinky night. So then you can kind of scope out a good place to sit to people watch or kind of scope out, you know, um, what the menu's like. So so, so, because I have friends who are, nervous to go to new places because they're scared of like eating something new. Look up that menu in advance. Look at look at see what's going on and prepare yourself. A lot of the preparation for the people who are anxious is a really great way to kind of help kind of kind of settle it, which is very nice.
0: Yeah, you made me think of so the 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 straight mosh that I went to is at a bar down the street and you know Sensory overload when I first went, my partner and I went last night. It's the cutest little bar ever. I noticed the second time that I was like, I didn't notice this the first time. And so it's I don't know. It's kind of fun. I always recommend, you know, if there's an event and it's weekly or if there's an event and it's monthly, keep going because it'll be different each time.
2: Absolutely. And then even like you said, you went on like a non event night. You get to know the bartenders, the staff. You never know your new friend in that space might be like a cheers situation. It might be the bartender, the waitress, the whoever it is who's helping offer you service while you're in that particular space. They might be your home base when you're there. You show up, you you know, you see Magdalena, she's amazing. She knows exactly how you like your drink. She knows you want your fries done crispy, like those sort of things.
0: I love it, I love it. Well, thank you, Safia, for coming to Newsy's Nook and teaching us about how to get out of our comfort zone.
2: Bye!
0: few quick announcements before I go. Did you see Crinkles Diapers' new poster for their new Buccaneer and Fairy Tale diapers? It features two very sexy studs, Baby Donnie and Muscle Bard. If you want to go swoon over them, I have reposted that Twitter post. Also, Rear's Critter Caboose diapers are now available at My Inner Baby. Go support My Inner Baby by ordering a pack or two. I will have a link to order some in the show notes. Alright kiddos, I am officially soggy. I gotta go change... See ya. Bye. Ha. It's no secret that I'm a mega soaker. Sometimes I just put on a diaper, drink a little water, and bam, I'm leaking all over the place. And I'm left thinking, is it me? Am I the soaker? And then I found North Shore's Mega Maxes. Have you seen them? They say they can last up to 12 hours. 12 hours, I know! And they come in a variety of colors, like white, pink, tie-dye, and blue. My favorites is blue. And the best part is, it's anti-odor, so I can be my little stinker self all I want. If you want to get your grabby hands on them, just look in the show notes of this episode. I got you. It's like what North Shore always says, be dry, be confident, be you.